and welcome to the Finding Something More to Talk About book club. I'm Nancy Wrench, your host. Our talk today will be the end of our discussion on Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Joining our discussion today is Cindy Stewart from Oxnard, California, Diana Melcher from Lubbock, Texas, Kate Gregory from Huntington Beach, California, and Jasmine Sharp from Anaheim Hills, California. Welcome back, ladies. Let's start our discussion today on cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. Tell me, what did you get from this segment and trying to let go of comparing every single thing that we do with someone else? Well, first of all, it's not easy. And I think that, I mean, I know Brene wrote this book back in 2010, and the internet and social media existed, but not to the level that it does today. Today, we have so many different social media platforms and so many ways to stream media. I know Kate mentioned Netflix in the last session we did talking about this book. And there are so many ways where we can try and find something to compare ourselves to. And it's always trying to wish on ourselves what we see from someone else, but it's, and Renee talked about this, it's really the most important thing to remember is that we're only seeing a snapshot. We're only seeing a minute percentage of what that person is actually showing us, mm-hmm. be that in a TV, movie, social media, whatever it is, even in our friends' lives. Like we are not mind readers and we can't know exactly what other people are thinking or what else they're dealing with when they seem to be the person that has it all together and we feel like we're failing. As you know, I'm a twin. And so comparison has been a part of my life from the womb on, <laughs> I swear. And, you know, that gets, that gets tough sometimes because as, as Brene says in her book, comparison is the thief of happiness. And that, that is so true. Constantly being compared to someone you know, it's just tough. It's just a big one. You constantly have to strive and and almost fight just to be known for yourself Mm -hmm. and be loved and appreciated for yourself. How did you navigate through that with, with your sister, Donna? Well, you know, we, we just lived with, you know, even in school, we had a lot of the same friends, but a lot of, a lot of different friends as well. And but constantly not only being compared by our friends, but by our families. And, you know, you, you, that's something you have to, being a twin, you have to deal with most of your, your growing up life. You know, we, we live in different towns now. And you're not identical either, which is interesting. You're not, you're not identical twins, but yet you were still compared and you don't really look alike. Really? Do you think? no. No, we, you know, in our family setting, you can tell we're sisters because uh-huh. she looks like my dad. I look like my mom, but yes, it, you know, it's, it's just tough. You know, one is either more athletically inclined or one is more academically inclined or one is prettier or one is bigger or one is shorter, or like you right. said, we're, we're fraternal, not, not identical. So, but even, even then uh, in our setting with friends, school, that sort of thing, people knew we were twins. So, yes. it, you know, yeah. it's just a constant 
battle of comparison. And I don't care which, whether you're on the good end of that or the bad end of it, whatever the situation is at the time, it's just, it's tough. And it's, it's just a thief of your happiness. I completely Mm -hmm. agree with that. Mm -hmm. Diana, I love that you said the thief of your happiness. And it also, when we compare the other word she uses in the book is we tend to conform more. So we're probably giving up our, some things that would bring us a lot of joy because we want to try to fit in with, with people. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I can remember at a young age, a very good friend of mine who I thought had the perfect family and uh, I found out she didn't. And boy, was that an eye opener for me. I still remember that. And chastising myself at the time thinking, wow, here you thought, you know, that everything was rosy and it wasn't and didn't stop me from still comparing myself to other people, but it was a big lesson learned. And I think the older I get, the less I hang on to the comparing, but it's always there. It's difficult to let go. Mm-hmm. Cindy? Well, I think it, you know, not to place blame or anything, but I think that whole idea of comparing ourselves to one another started with our childhood, started in childhood with our parents. And like Diana was saying between herself and her twin, I was always the more athletic between myself and my older sister, who was much more academic and she's a lot more creative. My younger sister was probably a blend of both, but I can recall my mother clearly saying, why can't you make better grades like your sister? And she would tell my sister, why can't you be involved in sports like Cindy? So, you know, like it or not, we grew up with that comparison. And I think it's something that takes a lot of discipline and self-awareness and a lot of personal growth to get past, to get to a place where we know we are sharing our humanity. We all have our flaws. Like Kate is saying, it's not as rosy as the appearance. And I have learned over time when I have been envious of people that in hindsight, I'm so grateful I don't have their life, you know, or their lives. So I I think, you know, it comes with with personal growth and self-awareness and just being okay with who we are and knowing we are doing the best we can with the gifts and the talents that we've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to circle back to another guidepost that we may have touched on last month, but it's cultivating authenticity and letting go of what other people think. This is such a big one. For me, I do care what people think. I, well, I hang on to it or, you know, I let it lead me and I feel like letting go would my entire life would just be a breeze because that is my cross to bear is worrying too much and, and making sure that, that I'm pleasing and making sure that everyone is happy and okay. And, but what, you know, as an adult, you realize that, it doesn't matter because there's always going to be people who don't like something, even though I'm trying to make sure everybody's happy in every group that I'm in. There's always people that aren't, you know, as we know. And that's a tough one for me. And what do you think? Do you have a problem with what people think? Because if you have a way of explaining that to our listeners, to me and to everybody who has that 
let us know because it's something very hard to deal with. Cindy, I just want to ask you, do you care what people think? Not nearly as much as I used to. And I think that it comes from practicing, you know, the knowledge that I could enter a room where there are a hundred other people and there will be a hundred different opinions of me, a hundred different first impressions of Cindy and who she is. And none of them may be true. I think the most important thing is to just be authentic and true to ourselves and, and who we actually are. Yeah. And if you, and, you know, if, if you're in touch with somebody who doesn't like the are, way I dress or look, that's okay. That's just one opinion. Right. And it doesn't change who I am. Correct. I think the most important thing to realize and remember is someone else's opinion has no bearing on who you are, your truth, and Correct. your authenticity and your life. I'm just going to say, Cindy, that's very helpful. I definitely am a person who also wants everybody to like me. I want to please everybody. I want to keep everybody happy. And I have learned that that's very detrimental to my emotional health. Um, so I can recognize it now and it doesn't bother me so much anymore. But, you know, again, coming from childhood, being the youngest of three siblings and sort of being like the little kid that made everybody laugh, you know, I just kind of carry that with me. But I really like that. Just look at the group and say, that's just one person's opinion and it doesn't affect who I am. So thank you. That was really good. Right. And, you know, authenticity is a practice, the key word being practice, I think. Uh -huh. And yes. and just em embracing ourselves for who we are. We just need to, as Cindy has learned to, to do more of that, to be more comfortable with that, with just embracing ourselves for who we are. And I think that ties really well into what we were just talking about with comparison in right. finding who you are and not trying to mirror or imitate other people based on what you see on social media, based on who you think another person is, and instead focusing on building an identity. I mean, absolutely learn from the people around you, obviously, and take traits from other people that are inspiring to you, but find who you are and be happy with who you are. And this is a lesson I'm still learning myself, but trying to be happy in who I am and not trying to be like my quote unquote most successful friend. Cindy, I do want to come back to you on this one. It is cultivating calm and stillness because I really do feel that you have been able to captivate that in your life because you have taught me so much over the years about just calming, living in a calming environment and just being at peace. And you really have, Cindy, you've taught oh, me a lot. And, and I know that you have some different I don't want to say practices, but some different things that you do each day to make sure that you are centered and balanced, of course, your faith, but can you share some of the other ways that you're able to do that on a daily basis? Well, thank you, Nancy. I'll say this in jest, but it's kind of true. A big piece of my calm and, and peace is that I live alone. So it's fairly easy to create your own calm and peaceful environment, but um <laughs> No, I think that I have really, over the years, 
worked towards cultivating a peaceful environment, a peacefulness within myself and acceptance of who I am, gratitude for my flaws, gratitude for my challenges, being grateful for heartaches that made me more aware or changed my attitude or brought me more compassion towards other people who might be experiencing similar things. On a daily basis, exercise is a very big part of my day. It's the first thing I do in the morning after coffee. While I'm on one piece of equipment, I have a a number of different YouTube channels in my library that I listen to. And most of those are based on, you know, positive affirmations, adding positivity to your day, taking care of your health, taking care of your body. In the evening, as you know, Nancy, I go to bed with earbuds in my ears and I'm listening to another couple of people that I really enjoy on YouTube. And it's in the realm of sleep meditation, gratitude meditation. If you start your day with gratitude, just a simple little prayer on your way to work or whatever it is you're going to be doing, it really does bring you a peace and a calm and a feeling, I think for me personally, that I can handle whatever comes my way. Mm -hmm. I think gratitude is a very big part of my my peace. Thank you. I so agree with that, Cindy. That's such a good point. After I read this book the first time about six or seven years ago, one of the things that came from that was to start a gratitude journal. And, you know, we did it as a group. Our group leader actually even bought us all journals to start with, you know. So we, that was sort of where journaling about gratitude started for me. And, you know, joys about what happens when we allow ourselves to realize and recognize just how good things are in our lives. You know, we do, we're blessed and we have a lot to be thankful for, but part of this cultivating calm and stillness, one of the bullet points that she mentioned was letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. And I think, you know, that was a lifestyle for me for a while as I was in the middle of my career and that sort of thing, you know, that in order to function, I guess I thought I had to live in a state of anxiety just to, you know, be the level that I was supposed to be at, which boy, I tell you, I was glad to get uh, off of that hamster wheel, like somebody mentioned, you know, and realized that I didn't have to live in a state of anxiety all the time. I could relax, let that knot in my stomach go and be perfectly content. Another thing was letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol. And I, uh, you know, totally identified with that one as well. Mm -hmm. I identified with that one too, Diana. That one hit me hard because I always, used to think like I do so much and I'm exhausted because I'm so high achieving and I counted my exhaustion as a symbol of my success and it not only isn't but it was harmful to my success and my health and I think that this goes back to both what you were saying Diana and what you were saying Cindy about finding gratefulness and what Brene is saying about living a wholehearted lifestyle and being true to who you are and being happy with who you are and one of the biggest reminders and I actually have it on a sign on my wall is that my 
success and my identity is from who I am, not what I do. And remembering that is just so important. And you are amazing. Oh, thank you, Nancy. (laughs) Kate, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I am totally in sync with everything that you have both said. I think sometimes I do have an ability. I remember we had our camper out and water was leaking through the roof. My husband had just spent all this money on this equipment and wiring and whatnot, and he was really losing it. And somehow him losing it made me just go into a Zen state. And I got towels out and I plugged all the leaks. And it was almost, it was almost because I knew, okay, this is, you know, we can fix this. Let's just calm down. And I didn't say calm down to him, but you know, he's thinking of the thousands of dollars of, you know, damage. And I somehow managed to go into a Zen state. That, that does happen for me sometimes. And then there are those times when I, like if I think I've made a mistake where I can get very, very anxious and panicky, but I have learned in those moments, like she says to say, hey, it's okay. We all make mistakes, calm down. You know, again, you have the feeling and you don't beat yourself up for the feeling. You just accept the feeling and look about, look for how to, you know, take care of the situation. And you're so right, Kate, about us all making mistakes. One of the things that Renee said that really stood out to me as well was her talking about perfectionism and remembering that we're all human and we all have flaws. And even though with comparison on social media, we may think someone else perfect, just like you were saying earlier with your friend, Kate, like someone else may look perfect to us, but we don't see the full story. So we we shouldn't hold ourselves to a standard that is unrealistic because we're all human and we're all flawed. And if anyone has figured out the secret to never making a mistake, I would love a dose of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you on that note, we're going to have to end this wonderful discussion. I do have something that I want to just read to our listeners to, to sort of complete this book. This is from Brene Brown, and she says, wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, there's always something more to read about.